welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined, as I am every week, by a man who's both as useful and unwieldy as a flexible drill bit, Mr. Shane Reeves. Thank you. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> you, you should. I, I, I thought of you while I was wrangling it. <laughs> and uh, The flexible drill bit. It's one of those good ideals that's just tough to execute. It is, but it it absolutely serves its purpose when it's so for for the uninitiated among us. It's a drill bit that's about at least mine is. They come in a couple different versions. Um, mine is fifty four inches long. You can get seventy two inch, yeah, you know, because they're made out of spring steel. So you have to have a long reach to be able right. to get the. Um, they're great. If you're trying to run, in my case, Cat 6 cable from the router downstairs to the office upstairs, and you've got to go through the top and bottom plates of the walls. And, yeah, I was wrestling and wrangling that thing. It's very useful. No other tool could have gotten the job done, but it did make me think of you. (laughs) That's kind of an – I don't know that you're calling me a tool, but that's kind of the most (laughs) accurate version of life. (laughs) uh, Well, I did decide on the – you'll be glad to know on the grand tote board of I keep a great big board of times Trey has goofed up the um, intro for a yearly total. And I will not put a mark down today. That was a technical difficulty. He started the intro and the batteries died on the Zoom. So at least we, you don't get a mark today. I give you a I, I appreciate that. On you. So we're smoking a special cigar today. Yeah, tell me about this. So I got these while I was in Tampa. I have liked this cigar for a long time, but it's always been just a little out of my price range of what I want to spend on a cigar. All right. The place that has them down here, um, they just charge too much for them. And it's Bandolero Cigars. And when I was in Tampa, they had a five-pack at a deal, so I bought a five-pack. Okay. Which is always a good way to get a little more expensive cigar at a better bargain. Mm-hmm. And uh, so this is from Nelson Alfonso of Select Tobacco. So Nelson uses top-secret blends which I, I got a lot to say about that. And he makes the um, he makes the Byron, he makes the Atabi, he makes the the kind of high-end cigars you don't that kind of fly under the radar as high-end cigars. But the Bandolero I really like. I've really liked this cigar. I would have it occasionally. One of the few cigars that's kind of in Padron money that's still worth it. Now, here's the thing I'd like to tell Nelson Alfonso of Select Tobacco. When trying to look up his cigar today, I had Peruvian wrapper, I had uh, um, a Rosado wrapper, I had all of these different... Apparently, everybody just took a guess at what's the wrapper of this, and he ain't told nobody whether they're right or wrong. I know it's not Rosado. That's funny. Yeah, it doesn't look like Rosado. Um, it's It's interesting to me when... Uh, it, the whole idea of the the super secret blend, I I guess I understand it if there's some mystique to it. Uh, as a nerd for all things cigar, I want to know that information. I will say one of the things that I think is really cool about this stick is the label, because it's kind of a pseudo label. Well, I'm trying to think of how I would call this, because it's got a crest or medallion kind of filigree to it, which you typically associate with the face of the label. But that's on the back where it's glued together, and the front is just text. And I kind of like that juxtaposition from what you're expecting. 
Yeah, I like the look of the cigar. I like the wrapper. It's a very pretty wrapper. Just a, a good flavor of stick. It's just a good stick. I've always enjoyed having these and finding them at a deal at Corona was awesome. Because that's um, it's a 6x54, so it's not a 660. And I was talking to someone out here today, actually sitting in these very chairs, and we were discussing the um, that I'm kind of leaning toward the smaller cigars. The smaller cigars are starting to appeal more to me. Seems like there's just a little more flavor. I think you may be rubbing off on me. Well, I think, I, I mean, I agree with that. I do believe you get more flavor out of slightly smaller. But I'm also, I, I will fully admit that I'm being a little bit of uh, a curmudgeon in that respect. Because the fact is, I, what I prefer is a Toro, which is a 6 by, you know, 56 or 58. So I'm really not smoking that much smaller a cigar than you are. It's just that that round number of 60 is a bridge too far for me. So I, I probably ought to back off a little bit on some of that vitriol. But um, but no, I do think the, the smaller ring gauges do increase the nuance of the blend. But that's, you know... But then again, I smoke Toro, so I'm really, I'm not even getting the full practicing of what I preach. So we went to Madison, Alabama to the cigar room this weekend for the big event. Um, all y'all seen the crocodile skin uh, two by one for my cigars. And all thanks to Oscar from GTO Cigars, which was, I bought, I bought a box of his Mandingas because I really like that right. cigar. And he's the best dude ever. It's just, yeah. you can't get no better than Oscar. I agree. Um, there, I'm amazed that has not become a national story yet, that event. And all, because there was eight or nine reps there. Of course, Pedro was there rolling cigars. Oscar was there. Drew Estate, Perdomo. Yeah. All, everybody was there. Well, excuse me, Drew Estate was not there. They're still not allowed to be at events yet. Right. Don't, don't want to get... Anyone in trouble. He was not there. But Perdomo, Gurkha, all of those others, they were there. And I'm sure Drew Estate will be back next year. But it's an all-day thing, and the prizes are so amazing. I mean, I won one of the prize packs, too, and my wife promptly took both of the lighters. (laughs) (laughs) But, hey, I think I have finally come up with an answer for her lighter abuse troubles. What is that? So... Anybody that's ever smoked a cigar with my wife knows she carries six or seven lighters because she can't seem to just push the button gently and light a lighter. It's click, 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 click. She's ringing in on Jeopardy. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you would think she's about to call Fast Money on Family Feud. So she, um, I, find, I won one, and it's a Perdomo lighter, and it's an electronic ignition. Ah. So you just flip it open and touch it, and it goes and lights itself automatically. So if that one holds up, that may be the answer to our lighter problems. I know Calibri made one like that a long time ago, um, and they were plagued with reliability issues. So hopefully they have worked those bugs out. If they're if they're because it was pretty much everybody that had tried to copy it had taken it off the market. So hopefully if someone's bringing it back, it's because they've fixed it. We shall find out. But okay, on to their first story. Gold Coast Logistics building new headquarters in Elgin, featuring such amenities as sauna, dorm rooms, and cigar room. This is from the Chicago Tribune. Okay, I missed that. When I, I, when I read through this this afternoon, I missed that part. Dorm rooms. 
That is off-putting to me. The idea of having a dorm room at your work. Yeah, I'm not sure what dorm room constitutes. So uh, I used to work for an just absolute tyrant. And occasionally I would have to travel for work with this boss and for this boss. And one of the things that I uncovered that I learned very quickly was that when you're on the road, since your dinner's being paid for and since your room is being paid for, when you work for bad people, they expect that that means that you're working the entire time you're gone. So, you know, so I get a little bit leery about things that, well, if they know you're staying on property, then are they going to expect you to be basically working except for the physical, you know, required amount of sleep? I don't believe so, because otherwise, why would he put in a spa? Why would he put in cigar room, half-size basketball court, exercise facilities? I think that the the dorm rooms may be more for people that are visiting. Yeah, no, no, no. I... I you're right. The other things that are included in these in this headquarters definitely makes me think this is not that kind of a situation. But it is just one of those like anytime they want to know where I'm sleeping, it makes me think it's because they're trying to get more work out of me than they're paying for. Yeah, it's not really. He didn't say dorm room slash dungeon. Well, <laughs> also though, dungeon would lend itself to retaining a certain kind of employee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you want that kind of employee. Yeah, I don't know either. But think about this now. This could be, you know, I've been talking for a long time about the pendulum swinging. Mm-hmm. That the pendulum always swings in the different directions. And could this be, hey, we'll put a cigar room in here. And if in the middle of the day you want to take your laptop and go down to the cigar room and sit down and smoke a stick and keep working, how can it hurt? Right. And I'll, because, you know, employee, employees, employee retention in this country is going to be a problem. It is. Um, we are starting, you know, there's, there's always a war uh, between, or at least there seems to be, you know, the, the work, the employers and the employees. The employers thinking the employees are entitled and the employees thinking that they're not valued. And both are true. And so... Uh, I, I think what we're beginning to see, number one, if you look at inflation in this country, it is far outpassing the increase in wages. And so, you know, people are working harder for less money relative to what it affords you for, during this generation than they were two generations ago. And so I think the answer for a lot of employers is, well, we're not going to pay you more, but if we can take a one-time cost of building out a state-of-the-art exercise facility. If we can ensure that, uh, one of the things it doesn't mention in the article, but I think is is a cafeteria, a commissary on site. You know, that way now you don't have to bring your lunch or pay for lunch when you're working. That is a, that is a great way to, first of all, restaurants have terrible margins, so it's a great write-off uh, f- f- for the business owner, but it also saves the employee money so they feel like they're getting more out of it. Yeah, it's kind of the, you know, the hospital business caught on to this before anybody else and started daycares that you have to be part of the hospital to use. Yes. 
low-cost daycares for their employees, and that's contributed more to employee retention in the hospitals than probably anything they could have ever done. Yeah, no, um, yeah, especially because, you know, that's one of the things, especially, you know, most families in the country these days are dual-income families. You, it, It's rare now to see one of the parents stay home with the kids while the other is the, is the sole breadwinner. So the conversation quickly becomes, well, where do we, you know, you work on this side of town, I work on that side of town. Where, do we meet in the middle? Do we, do, like, nope, it's, it's at my job, we're good. Like, it just makes life so much easier. Well, and if you've got a couple of kids, you're spending the, you're, you're working for the daycare. Oh, yes. And uh, you end up actually spending as much on the daycare as you would spend to just do. Right. You know, to, to just stay at home. Uh-huh. And uh, so, yeah, this kind of stuff, but I like the idea of the cigar lounge, the workout facilities. The cigar lounge is really the part that stands out of this because that's kind of the new wrinkle. And uh, a place you can relax and still get some work done, take a quick break, things like that. I like the rooftop deck, too. Uh, underrated as a feature. Uh, everyone likes a rooftop deck. I, I don't know a single person that would rather be on the ground floor sucking in the fumes from the passing traffic than up, you know, six floor, six floors up. So, all right. We both agreed the cigar room's a great idea. The, the, the outdoor, indoor and outdoor exercise facilities, you're in charge of this company. You've got those things sorted out. What is your, what is your, I'm going to build the ultimate headquarters that retains employees what are you doing? So the ultimate headquarters that retains employees, you're going to have to create a, so you've got to create a relaxed environment, but not so relaxed that work doesn't get done. Right. You know, the cigar lounge is a great start on that. Um, you can't really do a bar because then if they get drunk and on their way home have a wreck, they end up suing your company. So there's right. too much liability involved in alcohol. Um, the commissary is all right, but you got to charge them something for it or else it's going to, um, they're going to waste the food. This was proven, um, Elon Musk's company, they will serve steak and lobster, but everybody's got to pay $5 because they found out when they didn't charge people money for it, people didn't value it. So they wasted it. So I used to actually work at a company, um, that provided a meal for all of its employees because they employed 2,500 people on site and, it was located so far from everything that it was just impractical um, for for having people having 30-minute lunch breaks to go find food and come back. And then, you know, not everybody can bring food every time because life gets in the way. So um, the way they did it was that you got a voucher for one meal per shift. And it was only good on the shift that you were working. So if you were not working that day, you couldn't just come in and get a meal. Um, cause it was tied into the payroll system and a meal contained an entree, three sides and a dessert. If you wanted more than that, you could pay for it. And the prices were reasonable. If you wanted less than that, tough noogies, you know, if you don't use it, you forfeit it. Um, but it was great, uh, be- because it, it enabled everybody to, because you only took the food that you wanted because you you had a a set amount, and the food was actually pretty good too. Because it was it was a resort that had uh, other restaurants throughout the property, sure. and so you already have good food, good cooks, you know, people that know what they're doing. Well, I have the ultimate one of these. 
I have absolutely got the ultimate one of these. A nap chamber. <laughs> I have been, I, I didn't work in an office with one of these, but I have been in somebody's office that had several of the little pods. Uh, no, yes, you. so you have a soundproof area with a little couch in there. You go in there, you may not set the chamber for longer than 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever you decide. But if an employee is struggling with something and wants to go knock off for 20 minutes, have a quick nap, come out and go back at it. Um, if, it if an employee wants to do that, and of course only make them big enough for one person for obvious reasons. Right. And all uh, proper sanitary measures need to be taken. But... The nap chamber, because there's days that I'm at my office, and that 2.30 hits, and I'm like, you know, I could take about a 20-minute nap right here, and it's amazing. I'll be stuck on a plan and can't get a roof to work out, or I'll be stuck somewhere trying to get a floor plan together, and that 20 minutes of just letting my brain relax and cut off makes all the difference in the world. Oh, absolutely. No, and I think... Well, and I think employers are starting to learn, you know, it's not necessary. The, the eight hour the, the COVID has taught us this because everyone's working remote now. I'm if I'm paying an employee, I'm paying them for eight hours of their day. That's the agreed upon standard in this country that if I'm paying you for a day's work, that equals eight hours. I don't care if that's from eight to five with an hour break from eight to four with no break in that. Well, OSHA says you can't do that, but sure. whatever Whatever global time you need to get that eight hours in is fine as long as, as long as the work is done. So you need to take an extra 20 minutes because you're dealing with something at home or because you've got a newborn that's keeping you up or because you've got um, something else going on. You've got whatever it is. OK, go knock off for 20 minutes and stay an extra 20 minutes later and you're fine. Well, and your most valuable employees don't work by the hour. Your right. most valuable employees are results driven. Hey, this is what I'm, you know, when I get to work, I know what I want to get done today, and I don't leave my office till that's done. If right. that's at lunch or if that's at 7, it don't matter. This is the things I'm going to get done. So results-driven work, the nap chamber really works out great. Yeah, well, and I think people are starting to learn that, too. You know, it's so much is it, so much of, of employment uh, or, or, I guess, uh, compensation is the word I was looking for, has really started morphing towards that sort of more task-driven or, or salary versus just a strictly hourly transaction. Yeah, the hourly transaction kind of works in an industrial setting, but it doesn't work for people that, you know, for highly skilled people. No, it, it doesn't. Yeah, if, if I'm standing in front of a, a press brake machine and I'm stamping out grill parts all day, take the Put the piece in, take the piece out. Mm-hmm. Put the new piece in, take the old piece out. If I'm doing that for, yeah, that, you have to, that that becomes an hourly proposition. But it for, for most everything that, most everything else, there, there's a way to quantify it. Well, it, you look at the cigar business to bring this back. You know, Don Gonzalez, he limits his rollers to 300 sticks a day. Mm-hmm. His, his rollers are in couples, one bundles, one puts the wrapper on. They're limited to 300 sticks a day is all they can produce because he's found out that's the number at which their quality declines. Right. So the same thing here, you know, some days I'm sure they're done quicker than others. I'm sure some days that by 1 o'clock they've rolled, you know, they happen to be rolling Robustos that day. So they've rolled their 300 that day. And some days they're rolling, you know, the 
the 14 by 60s that he's currently making for me. And it may take him a, it may take him a little longer than the, right. than the eight-hour shift. Yeah. So there's a... As, as long as, and I think this kind of goes back to, let's put a button on it because we've kind of, uh, but as long as the long days and the short days balance out to a fair wage, I think everybody wins. Yeah, you know. If you're underpaid on the days that you have to roll the 14 by 60s, but you're overpaid on the day you're doing the petite coronas, then, then it all comes out in the wash. Yeah, you know, I don't make a killing on every plan I draw. I have some plans that I make really good money on. I have some money plans that I just barely make enough money on to justify doing them. But they balance out. You know, right. I've, I fired a builder for only sending me bad work. Right. And then he would hire somebody cheaper to do his good work. I fired him because I'm not going to be the guy that you need my skills when it's complex and you're not willing to pay for my skills when I could actually make some money. Exactly. So, yeah, that's that's exactly the way it works. So, okay, so let's touch a new cigar real quick before we run off to break. Hoya de Nicaragua, Cinco de Cadas, returns for 2021. So they're re-releasing these in four, four sizes. And uh, the Diadema, the Cinco de Cadas El General, a 7x50, which they haven't made before. The El Fundador, which is the torpedo style, and then the El Doctor. So, they're raising the price of all the cigars about 50 cents, which I said in my notes. Not really what this cigar needed. No. Yeah, the, the problem was not that it was too cheap. That is for sure. Just, um, I don't know. I've, I've not ran, have you ran into anybody? I'm not downplaying the cigar, but I am curious. Have you run into anybody that's just said, oh, you got to try one of these? I haven't, no. Or is everybody that I've ran into has been, oh, yeah, it's okay. Yeah, that's it. That, that was... Both that was what you and I both thought of it, as I recall. Yeah, I've not I've not run into you know even the Pappy, which the Pappy Van Winkle cigar that Drew Estate makes, it's some people are going to really like it, some people are not. Right, it's it's at least polarizing. This is nothing. Yeah, you know it's it's kind of like wrestling. You want them to love you, you're okay if they hate you, but if they don't care about you, you're doomed. Right. This is kind of the mid middle of the road here. This is kind of mid mid card cigar. So I'm not real, not real jumpy on that one. I feel like that was a personal attack a little bit after our conversation. I'm I'm still working on your wrestling gimmick, and I'm trying to figure out how to do it in such a way as that it would be that it would be long standing. Because you can put a gimmick together that's just for a short time. But you, you really need a long-standing gimmick. All right. Well, after the show, I'm going to tell you why I asked you that question. You're going to feel like a little bit of a heel for having taken this much time and effort on it. All right. Um, speaking of things that usually take a lot of time and effort, uh, the JFR Lunatic is actually coming out in a regular, normal, everyday size. Yeah, it's coming out in the 6x46 six six Corona Gorda. And, uh, and it's the Lunatic Habano blend. And this is the JFR Lunatic Junior 50th. He's just a little disgruntled. Not a full yeah. lunatic. Yeah, it's the, the Lunatic Junior. And uh, which it, it sounds funny that a Corona Gorda is actually the Junior, but the Lunatic's known for being a big cigar. Right. You know, 60 ring gauge has been the, the smallest, and I've seen them as high as 80. Right. I've smoked them as high as 80. And uh, so it's. Agonor's First time I've ever seen you put down a cigar you liked. Yeah, that's just too much tobacco. 
<laughs> I smoked that thing on the show, and we got done with the show, and I still had a little left, and I said, I've, I've got to give it up. That's just, that's too much of a good thing. And all. Now, obviously, if I had been just sitting around It would have been different. Yeah, if I'd had, you know, if I'd had my Sunday where me and Glenda kind of stay home and just smoke cigars and enjoy ourselves, then it wouldn't have been a big deal. Right. But that's a lot of tobacco. But anyway, so are they breaking the, or are they leaving the, they're quitting to dance with the one who brought them? What are they doing here? I I, I think so. Uh, But was the lunatic ever exclusively intended to be sort of, playing fast and loose with the size gimmick or did it just so happen that that's what they were blending towards originally? I, you've got to think how many people were never smoked a JFR, much less a lunatic because of the size issue. But I feel like they overcame the size issue because of their price. Their price is so reasonable for cigars in that range. It is, but I'm not smoking a 70. But what I'm saying is, a lot of people, that became the big cigar choice. Your big cigar, they captured a large portion of the big cigar market because they created a good big cigar at a great price. Yeah, but I think if, if JFR were to launch a new line that had, that didn't even go up to 60 ring gauge, I would say, yeah, that would be them violating the dance with the one who brung you uh, principle. This trying to expand their marketability to people that would probably like the cigar, but they're scared off by their by their gimmick. It's a way of testing the market. I feel like I I don't now if if the entire lunatic line over the course of the next five years goes from 60, 70, 80 ring gauge all the way down to this stuff, then I'd say, yeah, they they upset the apple cart on that. Well, and I don't think anybody that currently smokes the Lunatic at a 70 ring gauge is interested in buying this cigar. Mm-mm. I think this is them just trying to open... I think they have a large market share of the large cigar market, and they're they're trying to get a market share in another. Well, case in point, I've never smoked a Lunatic for that reason. Sure. I'll smoke it. I'll, I'll, if, if I see one of these out in the wild, I will absolutely pick one up to kind of see what all the fuss is about because i know you rave about that cigar but it just doesn't at, at 60 ring gauge or better i'm not touching it yeah the six the eight by 60 jfr lunatic i've i've smoked a box of them i know yeah and i'll okay let's step away for a break when we come back we got to talk about one more cigar from a company we love that nobody's ever heard of Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man. He used to sneak out of houses to go to the party. Now he sneaks out of the party to go to the house, Mr. Trey Dedman. <laughs> Sign of old age. It is. You know I've never snuck out of my house as a kid. I would I would stick with that story, too, just in case anybody you know is listening. No, it, it, it's absolutely true. Well, you know, I think we both were pretty good kids. Neither one of us ever spent a night in jail as a kid. Neither one of us really got into the... Any trouble, no cataclysmic car accidents. I mean, I didn't even drink in high school. I certainly didn't smoke in high school. Like, yeah, I was, I was, uh, Adam Ant wrote a song about me, I think. Yeah, I'm pretty, 
pretty easygoing mm-hmm. kids, but I, I, do, I do, as I've gotten older, I do find myself when I'm in a, at a party, a wedding, a bar mitzvah, whatever happens to be going on, trying to find a way to disappear into the mist. Oh, you did it at my wedding. You <laughs> just, right. one moment you were there, the next you were gone. That's right. If, if Jay Drescher hadn't bird-dogged me, we'd, we'd have made a clean getaway. I consider that a failure that night because he, he seen me leave. Oh. But if he hadn't have seen me leave, I'd have made a clean getaway that night. Everybody just looked up and said, where's Shane? Right. And also, Cordoba and Morales releases Seasons Spring Edition. So, Cordoba and Morales. I only know of one shop within 50 miles of here that sells Cordoba and Morales. I don't even know that. And they're such great cigars. They are. So is this a situation where they say, okay, you know, builders do this. Hey, I know I make the money I want to make at 40 houses a year. When I've built 40 houses a year, I'm done. Just like we were talking about result-only work earlier. Right. Is it Cordoba Morales says, hey, we sell a million cigars a year, and we make a great living. We take care of our customers. We have a lot of fun. Why push it? Why expand I think so. And I, if that is their business model, I have that much more respect for them. because, And we've talked about it here in the shop many, many times about there are some people in this life who, no matter what the question is, their answer is more. More, more, more. I've always got to have more. I've always got to do better. I've always got to get, you know. And then there are people like yourself and myself who can be happy with what we have. You know, you and I could both work harder than we do and make more money and have more things. And But at a certain point, there has to be a balance between, no, this is good enough. I'm, I'm happy with the quality of my work, the quantity of my work, and the way that that allows me to take care of other people in this case. Like, yeah, so I'm good there. Yeah, I think every human being needs to run the quality of life equation. Mm-hmm. What is the quality of life I want? What is the amount of work required to sustain that quality of life? And what is the amount of work that starts to impede upon that quality of life? Right. And I think that I don't... Cordoba Morales cigars are too good that this is a distribution problem. No. I think think you may actually have hit the nail on the head. I assume it's a... If we go above this point then our quality suffers or some version of that. So we're just going to we're just going to stick in this little part of our wheelhouse. We're going to do it well. We're going to do we're going to do one thing at a time. We're going to do it extremely well and then we'll move on. Right, we're going to be sure that when somebody calls our shop or our office and says, "Hey, I'm out of Cordoba and Morales. We've got cigars to send." Them. Right. That we haven't sent you know, 20 boxes to somebody and have to say, oh, okay, it'll be six weeks, six exactly. months, whatever. And Because is there anything that damages a cigar brand more than unavailability? Overpricing? Unsmokeability. I think, I think the worst, pro, worst problem you can have with your cigar is that it's constructed so poorly that nobody can smoke it. And then, or nobody wants to smoke it. And then the second problem is stretching yourself so thin that people want to smoke it but can't because they'll forget about it and move on. Yeah, you know, um, LFD is notoriously bad to be on back order. Mm-hmm. 
they spend so they there's more LFDs on back order than there is in circulation at just about every time. Yeah, and uh, and that's difficult because what happens is that becomes a self fulfilling prophecy because you have okay, so I'm gonna order a bunch of them because I know I won't be able to get them again. Well then, okay, you ordered a bunch. Now the next guy can't get them and he's been waiting. Yeah, so he's going to order a bunch, and then the cycle continues. Yeah, you've, they've set up a model. So I think I think this is just literally the reason we don't see Mitch Cordoba and Morales. They know who they are. They know which shops they got, and they're taking care of their shops. Yeah, I think so, too. And also, um, just to touch on this cigar, it's the Season Springs Edition. It's a 6x50 Toro, Cameroon wrapper over an Ecuadorian Habano wrapper, and fillers from Nicaragua and Peru. Set it at $15 a cigar, 500 boxes of 10. So $150 a box, not a bad stick, I not. guarantee you. And uh, But I, I, I was debating that. I was wondering. I wanted to touch on that because I, I think that's an important distinction. Some cigar companies, you know, um, some cigars you can't buy online. He don't want to sell them online. Right. He wants to take care of the brick and mortars, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And that he or she, whoever's running the company. Right. And one of the things I think is cool about this, too, and I think this kind of speaks to the fact that Cordoba Morales is is really trying to stay on the top in the industry while, while serving uh, a smaller uh, portion of the market, is they're trying something new with this. This is, as you mentioned, um, called the Season Spring. They're going to be doing a new cigar each season. So this one is for the spring. They're, they'll have a summer, a fall, and a winter as well. I think that's a great... We've talked so much about how our palate changes with the seasons. I think that's such a great concept for a series of cigars. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because it, it, it does change and all. I've been I've been leaning, you know, toward my summer cigar. I'm leaning toward lighter cigars right now. Mm-hmm. And all in the winter, I smoke a darker cigar. Right. And also, speaking of the cigar you're smoking, tell me about your Bandolero experience. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, we were talking during the break. I, after the debacle, that, and, and I will call it a debacle last week, where I ruined your perfect cigar by having one on the way down here, I'm on a reasonably clean palate tonight. And I want because I knew that you were bringing the cigar and that you said it was something a little more on the special side, and I'm, I'm really glad I did. It's, I would say, just barely on the medium side of medium full I say it's not quite medium full but just barely well you can tell when you take a puff that this is high quality tobacco it is it it fills your mouth which is one of the things that I love about a cigar you can also tell it's made by somebody that knows cigars this ain't his first soiree into it and uh, and every bandolero I've ever had has tasted exactly the same. There's never been one that stood out. There's never been one that fell short. There, it's incredibly consistent, incredibly, um, incredibly well constructed. Good flavor cigar, good draw, a little stiffer draw, but that's because it's rolled in that Cuban style. And uh, did you just try the retro? Health? I did. How'd that turn the, out I did for it you? the first time. I did it. I just barely got a little of it. The second time, I, I kind of blew my blew my palate out a little bit. But uh, <laughs> you definitely get a bit more strength when you do that. Uh, I get a lot of sort of allspice, sort of clove flavors on the retro health that I wasn't getting before then. 
Yeah, yeah, it opens it up a little bit. Yeah, it does. And also, really enjoyable cigar. I've enjoyed the. I've enjoyed these bandoleras. Like I said, I would smoke more of them if they were cheaper. Right. You said they're up there, Padron territory. Yeah, they're. If you find them in the singles, they're you're looking in the twenty dollar range. And all, like I said, I bought the five pack box was like eighty bucks. So I got I got them on down there. You can buy them online in places at sixteen dollars a stick. Okay. So they're they're right in there. They're on the high end for yeah. sure. And all, and I you know I've never smoked the Atabee or the Byrons because just the price right is it, too it's far. It's tough out there. to pull the trigger on that unless your life is going really really well. Well, also. I had a bad Atabee experience. Oh, well, that, at that all. price, and that's it, a one and done. Well, well, I didn't even smoke the cigar. It was a bad experience with the salesman uh. that was trying to sell me an Atabee cigar. I picked one up. I looked at it, and I said, what do these cost? He said, well, if you, don't, if you have to ask, you probably don't want one. Is there any worse sales pitch uh, than that? I, abs- I absolutely. That is one of my least favorite sales jargon that and you can't afford it you mean you can't afford not to i i hate that one too yeah those are the two things that will set me off but yeah no no no. i would absolutely set it down and say i'm not buying any of your sticks if you're gonna be like that yeah it it was the worst sales pitch ever i actually had picked one up and was looking at it said hey where's the price on these well if you gotta ask that means you probably don't don't want to first of all that works for enzo ferrari yeah. It doesn't work for anybody else. Yeah, anybody in a cigar shop. If I had an employee and I happened to be in the humidor and I heard him say that to somebody, I would stab him, shoot him, boot him, brutally beat him, then fire him and throw him out of my shop. Yeah. Because that shop completely turned me off to every other cigar in that humidor. There wasn't a reason in the world for me to ever go back to that shop after he said that. Yeah. No, I totally just, get that's that. just being a jerk for the sake of it. Yeah. That, and, and it sounds just like what would happen at that shop, so yeah, I'm not you know, surprised. It's funny. You know exactly which shop I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, So, okay. The Kentucky Derby returns. This is from the Berkshire Eagle. Um, this has very little to do with cigars. <laughs> but, I don't know. Cigars in the Derby, cigars and horse racing are, have always been intrinsically linked. That's well, one of the few places you can still go in and enjoy a cigar and no one looks sideways at you. The Derby is one of my bucket list things. And you would think, it's not, you know, this is not like I'm saying, I want to go visit Sri Lanka. Right. This is, what, two hours up the road? If that, yeah. <laughs> and I'll. So I have actually been, I've not been to the Derby, but I have been to a race at Churchill Downs. It's a pretty cool place. I used to have family that lived in Louisville. And um, it's, it's a pretty, it's a pretty unique place. Well, this is probably... The most accessible thing on my bucket list, and I haven't done it, so I'm gonna I'm going to do it. I'm not doing it this year because I'm not gonna wear a mask, right? And because they're still talking in the article about people lowering their mask to have a drink or smoke a cigar or something like that, so no, I'm not gonna go do that. But when we get everything back normal, where we can go that where a person can actually go there and enjoy themselves, I'm I'm definitely I'm gonna make that something in the next five years. I will go to the Kentucky Derby. I w- I would love to go with you. Let's let's plan on that. We'll plan on it. I think because I would because that's on my list too. We'll get the girls some big hats. We'll drink. I'll drink a mint julep and then I'll drink one for you, and we'll we'll go to the Derby. The only no. so let's let's talk about that for a second because I don't drink mint juleps anymore. But it was one of my absolute favorite cocktails. My biggest complaint is that you live in Kentucky. You being the people that that put on this affair. 
the home of Woodford, the best bourbon in the mainstream market, bar none. Right. And you make your mint juleps with four roses. Come on. Yeah, the it's interesting because I actually think that's a balance thing. I think they say it's a little too on the nose if we ser- if we serve bourbon because it's always four roses, the official bourbon of the Kentucky Derby. And it's like, but the the drink is so much better with Woodford. Yeah, I, I, but I think this is one of those things. You know, horse racing is not something I've ever been interested in, and I, I I love it. I love seeing it, but I don't. You know, as far I'm not going to own a horse. I'm not going to really get yeah. too invested in betting. I yeah. do wish we had an OTB here. I think that would be cool occasionally. But doesn't the off-track betting just lend itself to depravity? Oh, it absolutely does. I mean, go go look at any of the cities that have OTBs and and look at the parts of town they're in. Um, it, it's not a. It, it's definitely a, a den of iniquity or a hive of scum and villainy. Your, your next headquarters ideal. I'll make the nap rooms you put in the off-track betting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, a little casino room. Yeah, a little gambling. Yeah. <laughs> and all that way they could waste their paycheck there every week. Exactly. You get a cut of it. It's like the company store coming back. But, you know, the the other reason I want, I love the ceremony that surrounds this. It's a six-hour TV broadcast for a 30-second race. Well, I love that there's the ceremony. There's all the traditions. Everybody dresses nicely. You know, the Oscars this year had the lowest rating in history. I didn't even know it was happening. Right. Nobody did. There was no red carpet. They they even did best actor last instead of doing best picture. It was the lowest rating. And I will say a large portion of that is due to the fact that they've taken away the pomp and circumstance. Yeah. And and I had noticed that you know I used to go like I used to do the whole Oscars watch party thing because I was part of the industry for a little bit and and you know it was a big deal even if you weren't you know, even if you weren't even remotely connected with anybody that was there that night it was it was a it was an industry thing and it was great and then little by little it got more you know and this is it's the same thing that happened to the Friars Club roasts as soon as you bring the public in. They get too much of a say. You know, the Oscars was always meant to be an industry award show for industry people. And then they started televising it. And then they started doing the pre-show. And then they started doing the pre-pre-show and the red carpet and then the post-show. And the thing. And they became all about the ratings and, and all about how funny or edgy or some combination of the two that the host was. And, you know, it's the same thing. Once the, once the roast became Comedy Central roast and stopped being actual Friars Club and you got rid, it, you know, and Don Rickles died and you, you lost some of the old guard, like, it was, it's never the same. Well, also, you know, the political correctness movement has ruined the roast and it has ruined the Oscars. I don't want to know your politics. The Oscars have always been political, though. But I don't want to know your politics. Go up there, thank the people that helped you make the movie, give me a little glimpse into what your vision was. I don't care. I don't care what your politics are. Yeah, but you also got to remember, and I think we forget about this, you know, main people who exist in the mainstream, and I'm going to count you and I among them, have always, throughout history sort of turn their noses up at artists. 
as being a little detached, flighty, space cadets, whatever. That's how I want my artist. Exactly. But we have forgotten that actors and directors and screenwriters are artists. Now, it, you may not be able to put their work on your wall, but they're the same by and large, they tend to be the same type of personality. So, yes, of course they're going to get up there and they're going to talk about their politics because their politics is what inspired the work that they're getting the award for. And that because they live their life in that sort of way. I say that to say I'm, I feel like I'm one of the few people that I can actually detach the person's work from the person. Well, but here's my complaint. And here, here's, here's the rub with your theory there. A movie, watch the, count the number of people on the credits at the end of a movie. Right. That's a collaborative effort. It is. It There's absolutely directors, is. directors, production, best boy, grips. There's all of these people. So now the movie that I have contributed to, you've attached your political views to. Yeah, but you've got to remember, it was his political views were already attached to it when you signed up to work on the movie. Oh, no. Yeah, they were. No, if when Russell Crowe, gets up there and accepts an Oscar for Gladiator and speaks about something that has nothing to do with the movie Gladiator because of his political views, that's hijacking my work for his ends. Yes, but by and large, since every I, the, the likelihood that your views differ from his so severely and you were working on the same film is pretty small. Oh, no, it's gigantic. Because there's people that get things done and there's people that talk about getting things done. Yeah, He's talking about getting things done. And those two people are politically on totally different sides of the spectrum 98% of the time. Not, no, but you're, you're forgetting that you're looking at the micro and not the macro. You're talking about people that exist within the same industry, that work on the same types of products, that uh, belong to the same unions. The likelihood of there being a vast disconnect uh, between their stance on certain human rights activities is probably fairly slim. I think it's, I think it's probably I think if it was just talking about a something that we can all dislike, you know, we can all dislike pedophilia. Right. But when you get to talking about whether or not Trump should be president, you have betrayed that. I mean, that's the deal. Yeah. And I think and I think that's why the ratings are as low as they are is people got tired of being preached at by this guy who's contribution to the film was one little bitty percentage of the amount of work it took. He could not have done that movie by himself. No, and no one's suggesting that you could make a movie by yourself. But you also recognize that if you are the, you know, the best boy or the key grip, that, you, you know, you are attaching your name to somebody else's artistic expression. It's not your artistic expression that's going up on the, on the screen it's it's the writer, it's the actor, it's the director. But can't a cigar just be a cigar? Not every movie is an artistic expression. You're right. Not every movie is an artistic expression. Every movie that's getting an Oscar is, though. By and large. I'm not sure because I, I couldn't tell you any of the movies that were in the Oscars your, this your year. Marvel, with, with the exception of special effects, your Marvel movies are not the ones, your Star Wars movies, your big blockbusters, your, your bad boys, and your, wow, that was a reach back. But those types of movies are not the ones that are winning these awards. The ones that are winning these awards are the ones that 
say something that are true artistic expressions. Heck, one of the movies that won uh, Movie of the Year about six years ago was called The Artist. Okay, so now I'm going to put you on the spot. Okay. So, um, the person Ian, what's his name? Ian Zering. Okay. Ian Zering. That starred in Sharknado. Yeah. That did all the Sharknado movies. He made, I want to say it was, um, it was an unbelievable amount, you know, $15, $20 million for the last Sharknado movie. Okay. So I'm going to give you the choice, Trey. Now, obviously, you're never going to win an Oscar for Sharknado. No. So you've got to choose one. Would you take the paycheck or would you take the Oscar? Oh, I see. Okay. I I wasn't sure where you were going with this. Um, So I would take, I would take the Oscar. I take the paycheck every single time. Well, and, and so you and I have talked off the air before. I don't think we've ever talked about it on the uh, on the air, but we are running long, so I'll keep it brief. You and I have talked about the, the concept of love languages and and how it's di- everybody responds to different things. And I think that applies to all relationships, including your, your relationship with work. And some people are motivated by money. Other people are, in, are motivated by accolades. And I'm one of those people that, that accolades and words of affirmation mean more to me than the paycheck. I would much rather be recognized for excellence in my chosen field because you're still going to get paid for it. You oh, just oh, may no. not get – you're saying I work for free, but I get I'm, an Oscar. I'm saying you star in the little, in, little independent movie that could – and you get paid scale, and that's it. Yeah, but I'm still getting paid, just not Just barely millions. paid. Barely pa- Enough to cover it. Yeah, well, I don't care. I see. I, I, that's especially because, and, this is, and, and maybe this is me violating your rule with hypotheticals. Once you've won the Oscar, you're getting other jobs. So it's, it's not like... Fine, then. We're both going to die in a plane crash six months after this. Okay, oh, then definitely give me the Oscar. I'll say, I'm what am I going to do with that money in six months? It, no, I'm still going to be gonna holding, have a great six months. I'm man. still going to be holding on to most of it because that because I'm a miser. <laughs> yeah, see, I I would take the money every time, and I bet it's be interesting. We're going to have to pose this question around the cigar shop. This may be our new poll, and uh, we're going to have to poll the guys at the cigar shop: Oscar or check for twenty million dollars. Which would you rather have? There's already a couple of people I have in mind, and I know their answers. We'll we'll coordinate after the show. Okay, we're go, we're going to find out, and all. But all right, well, we've run a little bit long. We we man, we didn't cover hardly any we articles. We didn't. And all, but you know what? Do you want to talk about Shaq's house real quick? Okay, yeah. I was I was going to make a very sanguine point about the podcast, but okay, we'll talk about Shaq's house. Instead. Do that first, then we'll talk about <laughs> Shaq's house. Do you know the number of people that come up to me? Um, that talk to me about the podcast that say the cigar information is good, but I enjoy the banter. Yeah. No, I, that's, and I love that. That's, I, that makes I, me so happy. I do too. That's, those are the shows I, that I enjoy the most. Yeah. The banter comes from us. The, the news is just the news. We're right. just reporting the news and I'll, but okay, tell me about Shaq's house. So Shaq did, was he, he was either on Cribs or there was like a reality show back in the height of the, you know, the, the live-in couple reality show of the early 2000s. So I've seen some pictures of the inside of his house before. Some of it I recognized. Um, but essentially, uh, his Orlando home, um, 
is on the market for $16.5 million. Which is actually a bargain. I, it was less than I expected. Yeah, I was looking at 30. I was thinking at least 30s. But if I seen these pictures, I would feel like 16 was a bargain. We need to do the math at what that is per foot. Because it's 31,000 square feet at $16.5 million. That includes 12 bedrooms. 11 and a half bathrooms and its own movie theater, cigar bar, indoor regulation basketball court, um, beautiful lagoon style pool. I mean, it's a. Uh, okay, my favorite part the wine bar with the Murray Eels. I, I like that. I also wonder why you would have a bar designed in a triangle like that where no one can actually sit around and talk. Well, but if you'll notice, there's hieroglyphics on it, so I think he was going for a whole Egyptian pyramid thing. Oh, I think so, too. No, it very, very um, obelisk very looking. The thing I think is funny is that he's got, in, in the living room, there's a sectional couch that is bigger than my last apartment. Um, there's a mural on the wall of a semi truck being driven by Shaq. Like he's painted into the driver's seat of the truck. I, that's, that's that's because they used to call him the Big Diesel. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay. Um, I just I, love I that know level of narcissism. I didn't know if your sports knowledge. Ex- yeah, but that's better than cribs wherever rappers got you know Scarface painted oh. on the wall oh. with his face superimposed. Completely agree. <laughs> what I love about this. More so than that is that, so like I mentioned, that sectional has enough room for about 30 people on it, but the dining room only has chairs for 14. (laughs) Well, those arch tables ain't cheap. No, that's true. Now, here's my question. The arch table must stay with the house, because is he going to build an arch dining room in his next house? An arch dining room? Yeah, if you look, the table is actually arch. No, that's that's a fisheye lens. I don't know. That's that's absolutely a fisheye lens. Because why look would at they the pi- use a fisheye lens there and not anywhere else? Because look at the picture below it. You'll see that it, the table itself is just okay. straight across. Well, I had this great dream that he had an arch dining room and an arch table. Thanks, Trey. Just, I mean, it would be just cool. take a wrecking bar to my dreams. It, you're oh, so his kitchen is phenomenal. Four ovens. God, that's a dream. Um, I, anyway, so the reason we brought this up is because of the cigar room. So his cigar and poker room is pretty cool. I'll let you scroll down because it's all the way down there. And uh, so he's got the nice bar with the TV above it. He has a walk-in humidor that looks just like like it just come out of a cigar shop. I have seen this same humidor, I know, in five or six cigar shops around the country. Right. And uh, and then he's got these little poker tables sitting right there in the middle with all the chips and everything set up. Um. You know, the amount of outdoor space he has in this house, I can understand why you wouldn't need a gigantic cigar room. Well, and it's Orlando. I mean, it's it's comfortable enough to sit outside pretty much year-round. And yeah. who knows, maybe he's like Jordan. Maybe he just smokes in his house. Yeah, he, he may just sit on, sit on the couch in front of the giant Mack truck picture of him. <laughs> and, and, and just burn one. And just burn one down. But very cool. Um which I don't know. I've seen some of the shows with his wife. I don't think he's allowed to smoke in the rest of the house. That's a fair point. <laughs> one of the things, I, just to quickly point out, because I think this is so funny. So one of the few things that I remember about, I, I want to say it was a Cribs episode, was that he had a custom bed made because he's massive. And even a California king isn't long enough for him. So he had a custom bed that was like basically two kings side by side. 
um, width-wise, and then like an extra four feet long, a massive thing. And it's interesting to see this giant master bedroom staged with a regular king bed. Yeah, <laughs> it yeah, was he clearly took his bed built with for him. his custom bed, which he's he's obviously taken with him. And they just put this tiny little uh, king size bed in front of the mirrors. All which, right, which we, we've dreamed long enough. Let's talk. Let's rate the ba- the um, bandolero. Hmm. Oh, are you letting me go first? I was letting you go first. This is see. I always like when it's your first one. I think this should be the rule on rating cigars. If you've never smoked it before, then you must go first on the rating system. And I'll, if you bring me one I've never smoked before, I must go first. If All I right. bring you one you never smoked before, you must go first. I like it more than the one last week, but as we talked about, that wasn't a fair judgment. So I'm inclined to say. Six and a quarter. You know, it's a six for me. Yeah. It's still a great cigar. It's still, you know, just because, and this is the problem with smoking a lot of sevens in the past year, is that when you give something a six, you, you don't grasp how good a six still is. Right. This is a six. This is a good cigar. Um, I knock a few points off for price. I knock a few points off for um, undisclosed blend. Yeah. I knock a few points off for just the the um, the culture, the exclusivity of the culture around this cigar and this company that makes this cigar. Right. I always knock a few points off for that. So, I've if the cigar standing on its own would probably rank higher than a six, but all inclusive, I'm saying a six. Well, and I, and that's that was one of the things that I kind of struggle with on this because I wasn't the one that bought this cigar. So obviously, price. While I can conceptualize value for dollar. I don't feel it. So it was so I was trying to keep that in mind, but I don't know that it was easy for me to to keep those things separate. Yeah. Well tell them how to get hold of us, Trey. You can reach us at Facebook.com slash the cigarcast. We're on Instagram and Twitter at the cigarcast and email info at the cigarcast.com. Well thank you everyone for listening this week. Until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.